Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. This is George, and Patrick and I want to wish you a very happy new year. Don't forget that this is part of a three-part series that we're doing. This is part two of a three-part series that we're doing on wrapping up 2018 and looking ahead to 2019. Uh, Last week, we talked about some of the things from 2018 that stood out to us, be they trends inside the endurance sporting world or great races or something else like that. Um, And next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about how to get started in a fitness program if that's something that you are looking to do this year. This week, we're talking a little bit about resolutions, some of our own resolutions, and of course, some of the things that make for good resolutions more generally. So we appreciate you downloading us once again here at the start of 2019, the beginning of our fourth year of podcasting, as a matter of fact. I wanted to remind everybody before we got started here that you can always reach out to me, George at itlcoaching.com, or to Patrick at Patrick at itlcoaching.com. You can send us a more general email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com, or of course you can follow us on our Facebook page as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel and ITL Coaching and Performance. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Patrick Hollinger, also an endurance coach and athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. On this podcast, we discuss issues of interest to the local, national, and international endurance communities. And I feel compelled to mention that because we might actually be having some people that are joining us for the first time here since it's our first podcast of 2019. That's right. That's right. Let's get it started. Right on. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, you'll recall from last week, we mentioned that the the end of last week was, uh, or last week was our our last podcast in 2018. And so we had kind of a retrospective on 2018. Um, We talked about some good performances, some great races, some memorable things that happened in 2018. We talked about some some larger trends inside the endurance community and stuff like that. Um, And then... Uh, we said that this week we're going to talk more about goals and resolutions. And then next week we're going to talk more about um, how to actually get started in an endurance training program if that is, in fact, one of your goals and resolutions. And so um, this week, I mean, Patrick, you tell me if you experience the same thing. This week I feel like this is a very common theme for mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> for, for, for podcast episodes this week. I feel like almost every uh, podcast that, that I listened to this week was was how to make a resolution and, and what makes for a good goal and things like that. And and some of them were, were more research-based, and we're going to talk more about research, I think, next week. Um, but uh, and, and some of them were based on the experience of, of the people that were podcasting. Uh, we're going to be kind of in the middle, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to talk about, you know, why we have, you know, resolutions, you know, what makes a good resolution and, and why they're really important, right? As, as George mentioned, this is kind of the time of year when a lot of people reflect on the previous year and, and make their goals moving forward, um, whether it be professional goals, personal goals, financial goals, things of that nature. And um, that's what we're going to start to talk about today is we're going to start to talk about, you know, what makes a good resolution and, and why they're important for endurance athletes, both new athletes and experienced athletes. Yeah, and we're, we're going to wrap up by talking about a few of ours, and, and a couple of those might actually pop up during the conversation here as well. Did you make a whole lot of resolutions? Uh, a few. I, I tend to make... I made a ton. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> like more than usual? or? Oh yeah, far more than usual. Well, so, so Well, for years and years and years, I didn't make resolutions at the new year. I tended to make them at the beginning of the school year. 
okay. like when I was a high school teacher. And so, so for most of the time, I would say, all right, it doesn't really mean anything going from semester to semester or from December to January. But when you're starting a brand new school year in August, that's when I really felt like I could make some changes. Right. Um, and and I guess maybe I wasn't thinking as much about my goals and my resolutions when it came to, to running at that point. But but yeah, for whatever reason, I don't know, here in 2018, 2019, I spent a lot of December thinking about, okay, things that I wanted to change and make different in 2019. Um, and yeah, I have a lot. I have like reading ones and running ones and professional ones and, and ones having to do with my teeth and everything. I mean, so, so yeah, yeah, I don't know why that, yeah, but anyway. Keep going. Well, it certainly makes sense. You actually bring up a good point that, um, it, in many ways, the the resolutions for a new year kind of fit with the endurance calendar. Um, so, for example, yeah. when you were making your teaching goals, you it was best to make them in August because that was the start of the new year. Right. Waiting until you're one semester into the year doesn't really make much sense for a teacher. Right. But for runners and for for triathletes, a lot of us are just starting a new training cycle. We're coming off of off of our fall A race, mm-hmm. um, in which we probably put in a lot of you know miles in the summer. And then peaked for a fall race in September, October, November. And then, you know, we had the holidays to kind of get back into it and get our feet back under us. And so it is really kind of a perfect time to start to think about what our goals are moving forward for 2019. Right on, right on. So with that in mind, um, we should probably say here at the outset, um, a lot of people use the terms uh, when they're talking about the new year, goals and resolutions kind of interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you'll probably catch us doing that over the course of this podcast, using those terms a little bit interchangeably. But I do think that there is an important distinction between the two of them. When I think of goals, I think of those as being outcomes. A goal is that you want to run a particular time or you want to finish a particular place or you want to qualify for Boston or Kona or something like that. It's an outcome. To me, a resolution is, is more about a process. That's right. Um, it's that I want to try and run five times a week. I want to try and floss more days than I'm not flossing, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and there's a linkage there, obviously, between resolutions and goals. Um, in fact, if you're only thinking about the goal and you're not having the, the attendant resolution at the same time, you're probably not going to achieve the goal. Um, if, you, if you're resolving, oh, well, I'm going to try and run 2019 miles in 2019, which is a popular and very cool goal, by the way, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But you're not saying, okay, the way, means by which I'm going to go about doing that is by running five times a week or, or whatever it happens to be, by, by changing the process and thinking about the way to actually get to that goal. Um, if you're not coming up with a resolution to go with that goal, you're probably not going to realize the goal. Um, and so, like I said, I think it was important at the outset here to kind of mention the difference there between those two things. I have both goals and resolutions for 2019. Absolutely. And, you know, the real key there, like I said, like you said, is a resolution is very process oriented, right? It's, you know, changing, you know, the process to achieve a goal, mm-hmm. to achieve an outcome, to achieve a, a performance, so to speak. So this particular podcast today, we're going to focus on resolutions because quite honestly, we have a lot less effect on, on a goal mm-hmm. than we do on a resolution, mm-hmm. right? You know, you we can make it a goal to to run faster, to run a specific time. But sometimes, you know, it, it, it may take longer to reach that goal than we expected. Mm-hmm. Or there may be other hindrances that kind of keep us from reaching our goal, you know, in, in the time frame we give ourselves or in the circumstances we give ourselves. But a resolution is something we can affect on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis. And it's mm-hmm. something we can really focus on. And then let the goal take care of itself, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. I think even if you set a goal, which, I mean, again, I have several goals for, for this year. Even if you set a goal, 
you still should be very process oriented in your thinking of it. I mean, you so set a goal and write it down and put it on your wall so it inspires you. But but after you set that goal, then focus on the process and and like you said, let the goal take care of itself. Right, and and to me, a, a goal is there to almost energize you and to create inspiration and then a resolution is what you you set to channel that inspiration to Absolutely. channel that energy Absolutely. Well, so with that in mind, speaking of like channeling and focusing, you and I were talking about just before we hit record here about why it is that people tend to or, or, or the why it is that people tend to make goals and resolutions so much inside the endurance community. Mm-hmm. Um, and and talk a little bit about that like like what a goal and a resolution does for us as endurance athletes. I think for for endurance athletes. So so first of all, I'm sure all endurance athletes, you know, when they were you know seeing family over the holidays, they probably had at least one aunt or uncle or sibling <laughs> or, or cousin, someone who said, "Why do you do what you do? You know, aren't you? Just, who are you running from? What are you running from? Last time I ran that fast was when I was running from the police or something like that. Exactly. And charming Uncle Dave. Right. And they do actually have a point right behind sometimes the the annoyingness of the question and the, for lack of a better word there is a point there where they're saying well why are you doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and you know setting a resolution is important setting and setting a, a, an overarching goal is important so that when you are asking that question yourself when almost the the uncle dave within your own head starts asking <laughs> why in the world am i getting up at 4 30 in the morning to get in a run it's cold outside i would much rather be in bed right now you have a bit of an answer mm-hmm. and you have something you're working towards you can say to yourself I am doing this. I'm getting in this easy run because I'm trying to build aerobic endurance so that I can run a fast marathon in the fall. Mm-hmm. Right? And then if you want to take even a step farther, you could say, I want to run a fast marathon because um, I, you know, I want to grow as a person or as an athlete or I want to become a better version of myself in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. And that's important. I mean, it, it sounds very simplistic and it sounds very cliche, but there's a reason that, that it's a cliche to, to say we need to put our goals down on paper and make it tangible and, and connect, you know, the kind of the nitty gritty, the, the, the kind of day to day grind to the kind of overarching inspirational um, goal we're trying to achieve. Right on. Right on. All right. So let's talk about some goals and resolutions. And where, where, where are we going to talk about first? Uh, sure. So I, I would say we, let's start off by talking about the, kind of the art of resolution of writing a resolution. Right. And what a good resolution actually looks like. Because that's a bit trickier, right? We've all seen the list of, of resolutions. We've probably been just absolutely bombarded with Instagram posts and, and, <laughs> and you know, Twitter stories about, you know, my resolutions for 2019, etc. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about, you know, what even makes a good resolution. Um, and I would say kind of the first thing is, as we talked about you know, before is it needs to be process oriented mm-hmm. and it needs to be something that you have control over, mm-hmm. right? We talked about goals like, you know, that are outcome based, like, oh, I, I want to run this specific time. I want to qualify for this race. I want to, you know, lose this much weight, etc. But the fact is we don't have direct control over those outcomes. You know, we can't simply say, I would like to wake up and run a 5k in this time. Mm-hmm. So, what a resolution does is it focuses our energy on things that we can't control, right? It's kind of a more tangible version of the serenity prayer where we say, this is what I can control, so this is what I will focus my energies on mm-hmm. for this year, for this season, for this month, etc. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, we don't need to beat this dead horse anymore, but 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 the idea of, of process goals, of saying that, that this is what I'm going to do, um, uh, this is I'm resolving to 
floss more often on, on that, that I don't floss, you know, something like that. Um, the goal might be whiter teeth, <laughs> uh, but, but, but you're actually, you know, putting something you can't actually control there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think that, that focusing there on the process is, is super important. Um, what's next? Yeah. And I would say too, when, when, when thinking about, you know, in, endurance goals in general, like, you know, looking at our, our, our fitness goals in general, we need to kind of also break it up into, you know, our, our resolutions or we also need to, let me, let me backtrack and say, we need to look back on what we've done before and look at what we want to improve, mm-hmm. right? You know, the, yeah. the, the, the greatest predictor of, of future behavior is, is past behavior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the first step towards, towards writing a resolution is looking back on what you've done in, in the past and trying to identify what is successful. Mm-hmm. And what maybe has been a hindrance. Yeah, that probably should have been the first thing we said there, right? Um, and th- and that's one of the reasons why we look back on on 2018 in our in our last episode, right? Right. Um, is is you start with okay, what has worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? Um, and and you resolve to, to, to accentuate your strengths and, and to minimize your weaknesses, um, to continue doing the things that have worked so well, and to try and and get rid of some of the things that haven't worked so well. And so yeah, I think that that. The, the process of making a goal and a resolution, particularly a resolution, uh, should be a fundamentally reflective process. Yeah, and I think, you know, from an, an, for an endurance athlete too, you can kind of break it up into, you know, reflecting on, you know, your, your previous year's races and, the, the, the ch- and your previous year's training cycles, mm-hmm. right? So when looking at, you know, and obviously there's two are kind of inextric- inextricably linked, but, you know, there are some training results that may have been fantastic that did not materialize on race day for a variety of reasons, right? That's very common for, for you know, athletes to say, well, I had some great long runs, I had some great tempo runs, I had a great training block, but for some reason it didn't quite come together mm-hmm. on race day. Mm-hmm. So I do think you need to kind of break it up into um, re- reflecting on how your training went as a whole mm-hmm. and also how your, your race went on, on race day. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and some things to think about when, when looking at, like, race results would be things like pacing. Mm-hmm. Were you able to execute your race plan? You know, did, did the race go as planned? Did you have a good plan? Mm-hmm. You know, did you, did you kind of uh, plan out the different sections of the race appropriately? And were you able to execute um, the plan you had subscribed based on kind of the profile of the course? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the ability to plan properly and kind of know your body, know what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then plan accordingly, that's something that will carry into the next year. Right, right. And so so let's consider like just for that example, and there's a lot of other ones you could have examples with, like you could say nutrition or something like that, right? But let's just take that one, like pacing. So, so if you said, okay, my I was in really, really good shape uh, going into that race, um, but the race didn't go well because I paced it very poorly. So next race this year, 2019, my goal is to pace better, right? Mm-hmm. Again, that's a goal. Then the resolution would be, all right, in order to pace better, what am I going to do that's going to be different between now and and uh, my goal race in 2019? You could do more research on the course. Right. Um, you could read more race reports, right? right. Um, because those will help you to, to get a better sense of actually what it's going to look like and the way it's going to pace. You could um, you could do workouts, uh, more workouts that, that that are more aligned with that particular pace, right? Right. Um, in order to give you a better sense of exactly what that pace feels like, um, you could. Um, um, 
incorporate more fast finish long runs or something like yeah, that to make yeah. sure you finish strong. Yeah, there, there, there's a variety of things you can do to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pace this better. You could do more research on uh, what sort of pacing scheme actually benefits the or, 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 is, or is most beneficial, right? Um, you know, if you if you screwed up nutrition, that could be okay. I'm gonna research and experiment with new nutrition, and every other long run I do, or every other long bike I'm gonna do, I'm gonna try and use some sort of different nutritional strategy in order to determine what what works for me, right? You could see a nutritionist, um, and so so there's 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 resolutions. I want to actually improve my nutrition. I want to improve my pacing, and then there's goals. Okay, come race day, I'm not gonna have that pacing bonk again. I'm not gonna blow it with my nutrition again. Um, and so again, think if, if, if you resolve, I'm going to pace better in my next race, that's a great goal. Mm-hmm. You should, um, if that's something that you messed up in 2018. But think about, like you said, the factors you can control. Think about, okay, what are you going to do on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis between now and that goal race that's actually going to help you achieve that goal? Um, and, and that resolution part of it is a more important aspect of the whole thing. Yeah, and I think you hit on a key point, too, that... It's not just about identifying a, a resolution, so to speak, but really kind of looking back and then a- approaching the upcoming year and the upcoming training cycle with intentionality, mm-hmm. right? Maybe being more intentional with how you treat nutrition in your long runs or even your easy runs, mm-hmm. if that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Being more intentional with pacing or, you know, whatever element it is that, you know, you look back and say, you know, for 2019, I want to improve this element of my race day experience mm-hmm. or my race day performance. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that links back to what you just talked about, about the why do we actually have resolutions. I mean, resolutions focus us, mm-hmm. right? Goals focus us, right? And, and essentially what you're doing when you resolve to something, you say, okay, given the limited mental space that I have, um, this is where I'm actually going to put my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shine the light on this particular thing that I didn't shine the light on before and it ended up being crucial come race day. That's right. Yeah, very good. What's next? Um, so we talked about how, you know, when looking back, the first kind of bucket you want to look at is the race results, right? And how could that race day have gone better? And then the second kind of more obvious and kind of, in a way, easier uh, bucket to look at is, is training results. Mm-hmm. Once you know what the race results were, reflect on what the race results say about your training and where your training could be improved. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us probably have a gut feel based on the, how race day went. Hey, you know what? My nutrition didn't go well. You know, maybe that's something I could have improved on training-wise. You know, but then also look at what is, you know, what does the number of mileage say, the amount of mileage you ran say about your training? Did you hit, you know, kind of the various, you know, paces you want to? And did you touch on the different physiological systems you need to, as we've discussed in previous podcasts like lactate threshold, aerobic work, um, you know, aerobic power, things of that nature? So not only looking at what went right and what went wrong on race day, but what went right and what went wrong in your training cycle? Did your long runs improve like you expected them to over the course of the, the previous year? Do you want to see them you know, with greater frequency or greater intensity? Things of that nature. Because it is imperative for anybody to improve their, their, their goals, their race performance, to look at improving their training first, mm-hmm. right? And you know, Alex Hutchinson is kind of famous for saying the best training is you know, just sim- simply doing something new. Trying something else, identifying a new bucket you can tap into, identifying some kind of element of your training that you were not as intentional about before that you could be more intentional about maybe in the upcoming year or the upcoming training cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're both connected. So the, the point's probably a little, um, 
uh, you know, they're, they're not clear distinctions, so to speak, between looking at training goals and racing goals. But I do think it's important for people to kind of be very intentional in saying, how many miles did I do? How many long runs did I get in? How many temper runs did I get in? Because a lot of us are juggling a lot of different things in life. We're, we're trying to juggle careers, families, ex, you know, running, you know, cycling, etc. And so it can be very easy for certain elements to fall out of our training block. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be tempo runs, whether it be, you know, the super long runs, things Swims. of that nature. Swims. That's a perfect example. So, you know, when, when kind of looking back and doing kind of a, an, an audit of your, your previous year, it can certainly be helpful to be in, to look at race results and kind of how they connect to training, but then also just be very specific to training specifically, um, and looking at you know where you were able to get in the mile, were you able to get in the mileage you wanted, were you able to get in the race specific work you wanted, things of that nature, and then setting goals from there moving forward. Yeah, I uh, you know the reason why I said swim uh, and what I was thinking of when when you said it, and I was thinking about how how important it is to be honest with yourself when you are making that assessment. I was thinking back in 2012. Mm-hmm. So, so in 2012, I did the Ironman World Championship in Kona for the first time. Um, and, and I had a difficult race in large part because I was not a very good swimmer. Yeah. Um, entirely, actually, because I was not a very good swimmer. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, most people who are in Kona are pretty, are pretty good at all three. Um, if not very good at all three, mm-hmm. right? Most people are fairly balanced. I was not. I was, I was very good at cycling and very good at running and very bad at swimming. Um, and so I, I, but I kind of presumed, oh, well, yeah, I just kind of come out with the pack and all that sort of thing. The whole pack swam away from me in the first 500 yards. And I looked back on that race and analyzed it in every way that I possibly could. And it always came back to, you just got to swim better. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to improve your swimming. And I didn't want that to be the answer because I didn't want to have to go to the pool more often because I didn't like swimming. Nobody likes swimming. Um, and, and I, I eventually had to kind of say, you know what? That's the answer. Like, like I cannot come up with any more creative way of, of trying to explain away why that race didn't go well. The reason why it didn't go well is because I'm not a good enough swimmer. And if I'm going to resolve anything, it needs to be to be a better swimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I resolved to start going to masters. I resolved to resolve to, to, uh, ultimately hire a coach who, who was a swimmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, so I knew that he would, he would actually put swims on my schedule and they'd be high quality swims and he, and, and they would not fall by the wayside. Right. Um, and so, so, so yeah, it's important to be honest with yourself as well. I think, I think when it comes to swimming, a lot of people say, oh, well, my goal is to become a better swimmer, but they don't resolve anything related to actually making themselves a better swimmer. My, my, my goal is to swim 200 miles this year. Okay, well, what are you going to do this week and next week in order to ensure that 200 miles happens? You know? mm-hmm. uh, all right, what's next? Yeah, so I, w- I would say, you know, an- another point too I think we want to make, and we talked about this a little bit before we actually started recording, is that when looking at different areas you can improve, it- it's important, you know, for example, if you identify three elements of your training you want to improve, then implement one change at a time. So, for example, you use the the idea of swimming more, mm-hmm. you know, if your, your other goals were to maybe increase, you know, the length of your long run or maybe the intensity of your, some of your cycling sessions, mm-hmm. dropping all three of those on your, on your lifestyle and on your, your mm-hmm. training cycle all at once mm-hmm. would be a pretty disruptive experience, yeah. right? Um, not just from a planning and logistics perspective where it means you're spending more time towards your training and towards your fitness and, and less time towards, you know, prof- other professional and personal goals, mm-hmm. but also it would take your body time to kind of adjust to all three of those changes at once. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're someone who's been doing this for a few years, I would say once you identify those, those, 
kind of three changes you want, and I'm just using three as an example, try to implement one at a time. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to take time for your body to adjust to that change in the, in the training. It's going to take time for your body to adjust to an increased you know, number of swims. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to give you a chance to mentally figure out, is this something I can sustain throughout the year? Mm -hmm. Right? And it's going to give you a chance to say, okay, if I'm going to have extra swims on Monday and Friday, for example, that means I'm, you know, packing extra swim gear Sunday night and Thursday night, you know, to get ready. So, you know, to implement a change is never just a simple, you know, one-step process. It generally, you know, implies, you know, several different smaller changes. And so give yourself a chance to incorporate, you know, one chance at, one change at a time. And that will also help you kind of better identify what the actual benefit is of each individual change right so if like if you start swimming cycling and running more all at once it would almost be hard to identify you know where are you actually gaining value there mm -hmm. you know where are you actually going to see seeing an increase in fitness you know and if it starts to become overwhelming and it starts to be too much then it's almost hard to identify which one do i need to cut back on mm -hmm. so that would be one of the big things i would say too when talking about transitioning from identifying where improvements can be made and implementing those improvements would be trying to take it one step at a time so you don't end up overwhelming yourself or, or being someone who maybe incorporates the changes in January and then they start to kind of fall out by the wayside, you know, come March and April. Yeah, two things kind of spring to mind with that. The first thing that kind of springs to mind is that, that if you make a 180-degree change, if you make a profound change quickly, I feel like you're more likely to fall entirely off the wagon, right? if that makes sense, right? Um, it's, it's, like, it's like if you, I, I can't quite pick out the metaphor here as we're talking about it, but, but it's like if you jump to the top of the building, you're more likely to fall all the way off the top of the building, you know, right. as, as opposed to if you just kind of go slowly up the stairs. Um, and so, so if you think about somebody who says, okay, I'm going to, I don't know, be a vegan, for example, if they, they, they say, okay, so so my goal is to, to no longer eat animal products, and, and and they've always eaten a lot of animal products, right? Um, that you, they get two weeks into the year, and and they're having chicken parmesan or something like that. It, so they just totally, completely fall off the wagon, right? Whereas if they say, okay, I'm going to start with the first month of just not eating dairy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, okay, and then after two months, I'm going to do it. And so, so, so ultimately, the goal is going to be the same. Ultimately, you might end up with a vegan lifestyle um, and, and a vegan diet. But, um, but you're, you're less likely to completely fall apart um, if, if, you, if you make it a little bit more gradually. Um, now, that being said, I, I, I think also I'm reminded of the size of goals um, and of resolutions and what they should be. Um, and, and I think this is something you're going to talk about a little bit more in just a minute here, but I, I do think that it's, it's important and there is a sweet spot when it comes to goals and resolutions between too big and not big enough. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> uh, the Goldilocks principle. Yeah, and, yeah. and you, you want something to be a big enough goal that it's probably just a little bit scary and it's just a little bit out of reach. Like you're, you're, you're going to need to, to really focus yourself and maybe even have some help in order to be able to get there. Right, um, and so so it's important to do that because otherwise it's not going to be motivating. Um, um, but if it's too big, you're simply going to come frustrated and, and completely fall apart. And so I'm a fan of big goals. 
I'm a fan of making big plans. Um, like, like Daniel Hudson Burnham, the big planner in, in Chicago said, uh, make no small plans because they don't have the magic to stir men's blood and therefore in themselves will not be realized. Um, and so I'm, I'm a fan of making big goals and I, and I support people who make big goals. Um, but they still need to be goals that are attainable. Um, and, and at the very least, uh, when you make those big goals, you need to do what, what, what you just suggested, Patrick, and, and, and say, okay, I'm going to make this big goal, but, but, or make this big resolution, but I'm going to, to go about realizing it in a, in a more logical step-by-step manner. That's right. And I think the key there that we're both hitting on is time, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, I, I think a, a lot of us, you know, we underestimate what we're capable of in a year's time, mm-hmm. but we overestimate what we're capable of in the next month, mm-hmm. right? We kind of, we, we overestimate our, our current fitness and our current capabilities, but then we underestimate what what we our potential is if yeah. we give ourselves time to let small changes compound on themselves mm-hmm. and to slowly build on themselves until we eventually kind of have this, this well-oiled machine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So the real key is giving yourself time yeah. to, to implement these resolutions and, and make them a part of your daily life and a part of your daily habits. And, but that, and, and that's, I totally agree with you, and that's so not sexy. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, because I mean, because resolution, I mean, so many people fall off the resolutions, um, you know, within a few days or within a week or so. Right. Um, and so so the idea of, of actually making a resolution and mapping it out in such a way that you can realize it over the course of an entire year, that's kind of counter to the, the pop culture notion of a new of, of a New Year's resolution. Um, and so. So, yeah, I, I think what you're proposing and I agree with you um, is is something that that is not the same as as the way that we are inclined to or, or conditioned to make New Year's resolutions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just about giving your, your, your resolution times to, to kind of um, become a part of your daily routine, but it's also partly, you know, giving your goals time mm-hmm. to come to fruition, right? And I mean, once you start doing longer, harder quality work, once you add 20% of volume to your mileage, you're not gonna all of a sudden see magic results, generally, right? Maybe if you're brand new to endurance sports, you might see a, you know, a quick bump in like the 5K or something. But very rarely do the results play out in the first training cycle. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it takes two to three training cycles to really start to reap the benefits of that extra swim session, mm-hmm. of those slightly longer long runs or those slightly longer tempo runs. Mm-hmm. So I think a, a, a part of it too is not just kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of implementing changes and of making sure it is something that is sustainable for you, but it's also changing the, the mindset you know, entirely to this is something I'm going to invest in and I will see rewards 12 to 18 months from now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I'm gonna, but focusing on the process so that then the goals will, or the, the results will start to show much later down the road. Right on, right on. What's next? Sure, so we've talked about kind of how to, to approach, you know, the different types of goals, like training goals, race goals. I would say kind of one of the, the, the final big, you know, pieces of advice I have to people is to write the goals down mm-hmm. and to be specific. And it gets back to, you know, why we have goals to begin with is because what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the abstract into something concrete mm-hmm. because humans we do think in concrete terms right we do kind of think in black and white terms um, more or less and so the more you're able to kind of write down and articulate what your goal is and wh- or what your resolution is and why it's important the more you're able to connect your your efforts when when it's hard or when it's cold outside to 
the, the state you're trying to achieve, mm -hmm. to the goal you're trying to achieve, to the resolution you're, you're trying to complete, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I'll, I'll actually take it a step farther and, and say that once you write it down, find a buddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I have a, uh, I have a, a reading goal. Um, you know, and a lot of people have, I mean, my, I, I, I joke that I have a lot of resolutions. A lot of them are very trite. That, I mean, they're, 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 very, they're very much resolutions that people have made, you know, year after year across the United States. And so, so yeah, my, my, my goals are not super novel here. Um, but but um, an athlete that I coach, um, who I've been coaching for a long time, um, who she has a reading resolution and I had a reading resolution. And so, so we said, oh, well, let's, let's be reading accountability partners. And it's been kind of cool, actually, because... Um, in going back and forth with her talking about the resolution, I've clarified the resolution. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And so, so it, it, it went from being like this goal, oh yeah, I want to read more. Um, or this goal, oh, I want to read you know, 25 books a year, to actually saying, okay, this is how I'm going to do it, and these are the types of books I want to read, and, and just getting a much clearer sense of the way that it's actually going to work. Um, and, and so, so having, a, having a buddy and writing it down not only made... Uh, made the goal probably more likely to be realized, um, but it, it, it helped me actually uh, identify holes in the, in the, in the process, you know, um, and, and helped me ultimately to, to create a, a much cleaner and, and ultimately much more attainable resolution. That, that's a great point. You know, I mean, finding someone who knows you well and can be used as a sounding board can be an excellent way to kind of clarify your, your resolutions and set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. I can tell you a few years ago, I set a, a resolution that wasn't endurance related. It was more of a, a personal goal or a personal resolution. And I told my best buddy who I've known since I was like nine years old. And he's looked me dead in the eye and said, that's dumb. That's never going to work for you. <laughs> and he was right. He's like, this is not going to fit your personality. This is not who you are. And he was totally right. And there is a point to, to, to kind of articulating your goals and having someone either A, clarify them or say, I see what you're trying to do here. Maybe try this instead mm -hmm. because, you know, I know how you, they can almost see where we have blind spots and help us, yeah. you know, better identify what we need to do to, to achieve our goals. My wife is good for that. <laughs> uh, uh, for, telling, for telling me my goals are stupid. <laughs> no, no for, 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 for saying, you know what? I don't know that that's totally in line mm -hmm. um, with, with who you are um, and, and with the life that you live. Um, but if, you, if this is something you want to do, let, let's kind of think about what's at the heart of this resolution or the heart of this goal, and let's try and figure out something that will satisfy that need or that desire in a way that's more in tune with the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, um, it's, 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 my wife has been, um, she's particularly talented at that, I guess. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I, uh, I've always been better able to make resolutions because she's a good sounding board. Um, all right. We want to talk about some of our own resolutions. Sounds good. All right. So you want me to start or are you going to start? You start us off because I, I can already guess one of you is probably going to be flossing more often or so, something well, like that. I mean, so, so I ended up, like I said before, I, I, I have so many resolutions and I still don't know why. And by all means, like those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while, if you have a better sense of why it is that I may have made so many resolutions, particularly this year, 
um, I, I, I would love to hear it. But but no, I ended up going through and saying, okay, here's the categories of my resolutions. I have um, you know a, a reading category and a running category and a professional professor category and a professional coach category and then finally a miscellaneous category um, which is you know the, the the flossing and all that sort of thing so mm-hmm. so yeah so I'll start you off with the easy one then and this actually has a running tie-in okay. um, uh, one of the miscellaneous ones is is having to do with my teeth mm-hmm. um, I uh, I have been uh, I'm I'm fortunate I've never had a cavity um, you better I, be knocking up some serious wood so, right now, yeah. Yeah, I, I've never had a cavity. Uh, in 44 years, I've, I've never had a cavity. Um, and what that has done is it, it's, it's made it put made me a little bit more complacent when it comes to my teeth. Um, and so so I have, I have resolved that, that I want to take better care of my teeth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I also, by the way, like as, as related to that, I would like to make them look better. And the running tie-in there is that Matt Yano, you know, the guy who finished second at the California National Marathon, who led the first 26 miles of the race and then was caught with a quarter mile to go, that dude has some beautiful teeth. <laughs> go, go, go to his website. Okay. Um, which, and I encourage you to go to his website anyway. Matt Yano is, a, is an interesting guy. He's a, he's a, he's a gay man, um, and he very much sees himself as an advocate for gay rights inside the running community, um, and very much says that, that I want to push back on these, these uh, stereotypes of gay men that were a bunch of soft, unmasculine people who are, who are physically incapable of doing tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and I think that that very much that that outlook and that approach very much informed his uh, extremely courageous and very tough racing at, at CIM. Um, but anyway, um, he's got some beautiful teeth, mm-hmm. um, and so so I resolve with that. So to take better care of my teeth, uh, go to the dentist twice, which again most people tend to do, but I don't. Uh, to floss more days than I don't floss. So okay. I'm not going to try and say I have to floss every single day mm-hmm. um, because nobody likes to floss. Um, but I'm going to floss more days that I don't floss. I'm going to brush twice a day more days than I than I brush once. Which, again, most people do already brush twice a day. I usually just brush once a day before I go to bed. Uh, I'm going to brush twice twice a day more days than I only brush once. Um, and so th- 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 those are kind of my resolutions around my teeth. I have, Okay, I have s- s- two <laughs> takeaways from that. One, I, I think you're smart to say, instead of saying I'm going to do twice a day, brush twice a day every day, mm-hmm. You're giving yourself some leeway for error mm-hmm. because, like, let's say a few weeks in, you, you brush once instead of twice. Mm-hmm. If you were to say, I'm going to do it twice a day every day, you've already failed. Right. But by giving yourself some leeway, it allows you to make mistakes and to keep powering forward and give yourself a chance of success. And right. I think that's important in any goal we set, personal, right. professional, athletic, etc. Right. And it, and it ties back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about the, the, the nature of goals in terms of... of you want them to be good goals and attainable goals, but you don't want to change too many things all at once. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to go from, okay, what I currently do, which is brushing my teeth one time before I go to bed every single night, and that's it, mm-hmm. right? If I were to go from that to I want to floss, rinse, and brush twice a day every single day, that's a lot. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot. It would be a lot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's a lot. And, and so, so like you said, you know, January... Third or something, I end up just forgetting, or I get busy, or I'm like running out the door because I oversleep, or or something else like that. Like something mm-hmm. happens, or I run out of floss, you know, because because I didn't have the right supplies because not something I normally do, right? Um, that that something happens and I don't do it, you completely fall off, 
and you're like, ah, screw it, and you just go back to, to the one small thing, you know, the way that you used to do things. Um, if you if you make changes more incrementally, incrementally, um, then then if you miss a day or or if something happens, you haven't just completely wiped out and destroyed the resolution, and thereby justifying your just trashing the whole thing. Uh. Yeah, and I think if you you bring a great point too, where achieving a resolution more often than not is about setting up an environment mm-hmm. for you to almost naturally reach success. Yeah. Right. Or for, for your, your your goal is to almost remove as much friction as possible mm-hmm. and set up an environment where success does not require as much willpower, right? Mm-hmm. So you make sure you have, you know, spare toothpaste and mm-hmm. a toothbrush always in, in in your in your bathroom so that you don't have that day where you run out of toothpaste and then a few days go by before you actually make it to the grocery store or something right. like that. You know, waking up five minutes earlier or, or setting kind of even smaller resolutions to say I'll make sure I'm done by with breakfast by 7:30. That way, I have time to to brush or floss before getting out the door. And I think that's true in in all kinds of goals, right? I do too. And 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 all kinds of resolutions. That the real trick is not to, you know, say to yourself, "I want to have more willpower." Willpower is overrated mm-hmm. because it's very finite and it's it's kind of it's very expendable. It's a very expendable resource. But what really kind of establishes long term success is setting up that environment. Like you mentioned, so you're not running out the door, mm. you know, and, and you have kind of the, the spare toothbrush, for example, so that when something does go wrong, you can still achieve your goals or achieve your resolution. Yeah, we're going to talk more about this next week, um, this idea next week, but but that's related to something called activation energy, mm-hmm. um, and that you want to lower the activation energy of your goals. Yeah. Um, and so, so if it is hard for you to do something, it takes more activation energy, and right. ergo, you're less likely to do it. Um, and I've, I've always thought, you know, we talked about getting a buddy before, um, group workouts, I think lower the activation energy of a workout. If, mm-hmm. if, if you're going to a workout and you know that people are already there and they're waiting for you, that lowers the activation energy. Um, whereas if you're having to drag yourself out and, and it's raining and it's cold and you're by yourself and you're like, I could probably do this some other time. That's very high activation energy. And so, so the, anything you can do to lower the activation energy around a resolution is a good thing. Um, and, and it will in turn ensure that it's more likely to, to, to get done. Um, give me one of yours. Sure. One of mine. All right. My, since we're starting with personal goals, uh, <laughs> mine is to get married. <laughs> uh, I am engaged. And that actually that will play into athletic goals later down the road. <laughs> but that is goal number one. Date's been set for the fall. There you go. Very good. Uh, and there, Without a doubt, the most important thing I can get done yeah. this year. And that, 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 that's definitely a goal. And so, so what, what, what are the resolution process goals related to that? Uh, oh, gosh. Too, too many to even name on a podcast, but right. we have a, a, a huge spreadsheet and calendar for, for planning the wedding and getting everything all ship shape. But... <laughs> right on, right on. But... but, but, and, but and, and we, you, you joke and I laugh that, that that's a goal, but but um, but it's actually a pretty good prototype for the way that goals and resolutions work, right? Mm-hmm. And so so you have in your head this goal, this vision of, of what's going to happen on that day, right? And and you can't just say like, okay, that's totally going to happen. Well, no, there is a variety of steps, all of which are contained in that spreadsheet that, that you have to accomplish one by one in order to ensure that that goal is ultimately going to happen. Yeah, and here's where that really plays into to, to running goals too, right? So the, the date set for the fall, so then part of that is, is with saying, okay, so what is most important to me this fall? 
obviously it's that event. Yeah. Right? As, as you know, running a marathon takes a, a lot of time, energy, effort, etc. beyond just the amount of time you spend running, but yeah. the amount of time you spend thinking about it, the amount of, um, you know, energy you spend, you know, going to, to PT sessions, massages, etc. Mm-hmm. So then where that really plays into my running goals is then when like, map, map, mapping out the entire year, I came to the conclusion that, you know what, one of my resolutions this year is going to be to not have an A race this fall, mm-hmm. so to speak, that would kind of zap some of that energy, some of that mental you know, energy we talked about before, but instead to focus on the things I enjoy most about running mm-hmm. so that then it is not pulling the same willpower or energy or kind of, you know, uh, mental time and mental real estate that it, that an A race would usually pull. Right. Right. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. Going to, since you mentioned running ones, I'll go to one of my running ones. Um, and, and I feel like any goal after the one that you just mentioned is going to be like, meh. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but one of my running resolutions this year is to accentuate frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, and that's not just in running, that's, um, in, in all of it. Um, I was, I mm-hmm. was moved by that study that, that we talked about at the end of, of, uh, of last year where they found that, that people who did one set three times a week gained just as much strength as people who did three sets three times a week. Um, but you have to do it three times a week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned that, that it was hard for me to imagine even though you only have to do one set, it's hard for me to imagine going to the gym and only doing one set because and only being there for 13 minutes. I, in fact, have an athlete who's on my roster who said, I'll give it a try. And he did it for about two weeks. And he's like, no, I can't, I can't get into the gym for 13 minutes at a time three times a week. Um, that when I go there, I want to be there and I want to actually spend time and make it worth my time to, to make the effort to get there. And, and so, so, so um, And then three times a week is just a lot. You know, it's a lot of effort to change the clothes and get to the gym and do that to only be there for 13 minutes, three times a week. Right. Um, and so I'm resolving not necessarily to do that, but to accentuate frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what that means as far as running goes is that, that I'm trying to run a little bit more. I, I was also very moved by that study that we talked about in the middle of last year about a way that tissues can decondition a little bit. Um, and, and they can decondition very rap- rapidly. And so, so I, I very much want to, to try and accentuate frequency of, of not only my strength work, but, but also of, of running and be perfectly okay with, okay, I'm going to do five minutes of core today. I'm going to do one set of kettlebells today, and that's it, but I'm going to do it six times this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only running five minutes today, but this is my sixth run of the week, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so accentuating frequency, not worrying so much about duration, but instead accentuating frequency um, um, and looking at that as opposed to, to the duration of individual workouts. So more, more frequent, shorter workouts um, is, is one of my resolutions for this year. And that's certainly a fantastic goal. I mean, I, I think we've talked about several times, not, not only the studies that you mentioned, but also just in general, we've talked about how a lot of times it's best to add frequency over adding intensity yeah right when thinking about how to 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 increase your your or to kind of take the next step forward in your fitness mm-hmm. it's to go from four runs a week to five or five to six etc mm-hmm. more so than to run one extra mile on your on your individual runs mm-hmm. yeah it, it works out well for me too because i'm actually in and I'm, I'm i'm racing a marathon in may and this mm-hmm. is going to be the closest I've ever run mar- one marathon coming up after another one since i started like racing marathons and trying to really do it well correct um and so, so it kind of gives me the opportunity between now and May to say, okay, let me do this and let's see how well it works and let's see how I race in May. 
Um, and if I race really, really poorly, may I may reassess and say, okay, this frequency thing, it's good. I'm glad I did it, but so I'm, I may end up making a mid-year resolution. You know mm-hmm. that that um, I don't. I feel like I have to stick to the resolution for as long um, as I would if I was only doing a, a, a late year race, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I can I can see whether it's working and, and and whether this change in approach is actually bringing me the results that I want uh, come May fifth um, when I run Flying Pig Marathon. Um, all right, give me another one of yours. Sure. So you act, yours actually transitions nicely um, into my next goal, and mine is actually the inverse to mm-hmm. limit my workouts to five workouts per week. Yeah. So to give you some background, I've been doing about seven, eight workouts per week for the last few years or so. Um, I, hit a po- I hit a point a few years ago where I thought, you know what, I'm in my late 20s. I really want to kind of go for the gold here. I have some big goals I want to achieve, and I know they're going to take a lot of time and a lot of you know very frequent um, workouts, right? Doing seven, eight a week, running you know 700 plus miles per you know every three months, you know for a three month training block, etc. So I, I said, okay, I really need to kind of focus on frequency and make sure I get plenty of miles in. And then I achieve really all the goals I set. In the, and then when looking at the upcoming year and looking at the transitions I'll be making, like getting married, like starting a, a new job, which I you know, I'd started very recently, I had to take a very honest assessment for what will my week actually look like moving forward, mm-hmm. right? And I had to kind of look back and or look forward and say, Instead of just replicating what I've done the last two years, what will work best for this new situation I find myself in? Mm. And I think this is the reason I want to share this goal of, you know, limiting myself to five workouts is because I think a lot of times we hear over and over again, you know, do more, do more, do more, mm. which is really the best way to improve, right? To kind of slowly layer on more workouts, more mileage, more intense miles, things of that nature. But if you've been doing this for, for a long time, I mean, you've been doing this for, for many, many years, but there are some times, some seasons of life where you need to take a step back and, and be honest with yourself and say, what can I actually do right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and what will actually work? What resolutions can I set that I will actually meet mm-hmm. and that will actually be sustainable? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because to, to, to really zoom out, my overarching goal, and I, I think this is your overarching goal as well, is to run for ever forever yeah i mean <laughs> as long as we got legs let's let's keep running yeah, that's the name of the book i'm reading right now run forever <laughs> um and and part of doing that is taking a step back and saying right now this is this is what i need to limit myself to to make sure that this is a sustainable lifestyle mm-hmm. moving forward mm-hmm. um and it's not something you you that is grandly inspirational so to speak mm-hmm. but I think it's important. And I, I can also say, too, for me personally, you know, I have noticed when coaching different runners and different athletes, if I make a workout optional, some runners are able to actually say, this is truly optional and I'll do it if it's good for me. Mm-hmm. I am not like that. If I set a goal of having two optional runs a week, if I miss one of them, I feel like that's a red mark mm-hmm. on me. That's just how I process information. Mm-hmm. That's how some of us are. So then the best way for me to combat that moving forward is to just simply say, I'm going to limit myself or contain my goals or my, my, my workout resolutions to this amount to five days a week or five times a week and then be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So then it doesn't set, set up that, that uh, you know, expectation, or not that expectation, but set up that environment for falling short or that, that feeling of falling short. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting, I, th- I think your goal, you know, I talked about when we were running last weekend, I, th- I think it's sort of an interesting goal. Um, because it's so counter to 
what most goals are. Most res- mm-hmm. mostly, I'm going to change this one thing and, it, and I'm going to add something to my life. I'm going to start flossing. You know, I mean, mo- most of it's that. And you're actually saying I'm going to take something out of my life. Um, but I, I think that that it's wise. One, because it, it promotes your other resolution your, in your, your primary goal for the year. Um, but two, because the overarching purpose of resolutions um, in, in terms of like improving your life, um, it's still at play there, right? It's just that, that, that you're finding that, that improving your life or the means by which you're going to improve your life is actually by doing less. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I and I, I think that, that certainly people could resolve that sort of thing professionally. I mean, there's certainly people who could, could resolve to, I want to work less, right? And that would probably improve their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I, I think that, that that's an important resolution. I'm glad that you shared it because it, it's, it runs counter to the whole resolution narrative, but, but yet it, it still accomplishes what resolutions are supposed to accomplish. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And, and and sometimes the hardest part about setting up a, a training goal, you know, or a training resolution is to be honest with ourselves and what yeah. we're capable oh, yeah. of. You know, it's very easy to say, I want to run this many miles and I want to PR by 10 minutes in the marathon in, in December or January. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we'd be honest with what do what constraints do I really have right. in my life right, right now? And what can I actually accomplish? Because if when we, like let's say we were to someone was to set a goal of running seven times a week, so they map out this big schedule of seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, when they start to miss workouts, they will almost always miss the long runs and the tempo runs, mm-hmm. right? If if when things start to fall out of control or start to fall off their calendar, very rarely, in my experience, do people miss the easy runs. Mm-hmm. When they're when they're overwhelmed, they miss the really crucial runs. Mm-hmm. But if you're honest with yourself and saying I can only get in five runs or five workouts. Then you are focused on those five workouts will be the long run, the medium long run, the tempo run, mm-hmm. the truly you know kind of impactful workouts. Mm-hmm. The swims. The, the <laughs> swims. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. The athletes that I coach, like like if if they miss a bike workout, they always come back and say say, oh well, can I do that bike workout on Friday instead, or or can I push that back to this weekend? And da-da-da. nobody ever asked me that with swims. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's like, I missed that swim last night. Is it okay if I do it tomorrow? Nobody ever asked. They're just like, oh yeah, I missed the swim. Mm-hmm. Um, um, all right, one more. Yep, one more. All right, let's give one more here. Um, I uh, I'll give one of my professional ones. Um, and again, I have several more, and I'm not going to bore everybody by talking about every single one of my resolutions. But um, one of mine is that I want to employ more innovative teaching methods in my classroom. Um, and so I have found, and I think a lot of teachers this way, um, that that in my college classroom, I have sort of a a a means by which, or, or a default teaching practice, a default pedagogy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually it involves uh, uh, me, and it's, I think it's a good practice. I think students like it. It's very discussive um, that, that, that I end up having a lot of give and take with students, and we talk about various issues related to, to culture and education. Um, but I, I don't tend to do a whole lot of really innovative things. I don't tend to employ a lot of innovative methods. Um, when I was a high school teacher, I employed a lot of innovative methods, and I, I don't feel like I'm doing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my my goal, my resolution um, for this spring, um, I'm supervising a bunch of student teachers, and then I'm only teaching one class on campus, um, and that class meets two times a week. And so one out of every three classes, I want to do something that breaks from that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, that, that involves something different than me standing in front of the class and basically 
engaging in a conversation and discussion with my students about a particular issue. Um, usually it involves me like showing them something and then we talk about it and and then we go on to the next class, mm -hmm. right? And we might write a little bit about it at the end, something like that. It, right. Like I said, it's a good method. I mean, I, I think it's a good method for a collegiate class, but um, but but I want to do something a little bit more activity-based, um, something um, something that, that, that might even get us out of the room entirely. Um, uh, at least one out of every three classes. That's mm -hmm. the goal. That's yeah. the goal. And it, what I'm really hearing you say is you're, you're trying to expand your toolkit, yeah, so to speak, yeah. right? Or, or just use more tools that are in my toolkit. Because I have right. those tools, I'm just not using them. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've done them in the past, it's just that I've sort of, I've lapsed into this, this one way of doing things that I constantly do. Um, and I need, to, I need to be a little bit more courageous, um, mm -hmm. and I need to be a little bit more confident. Um, and uh, I need to better model some of the things that I ultimately encourage a lot of my students to do mm -hmm. um, when they get into the classroom themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that comes with too. You've now been at, at you know your current workplace for five years or so, right? Yeah. Now, this, so this is your seven, right? So maybe your first few years, mm -hmm. you almost need to stick to what's tried and true, mm -hmm. and stick almost to what take works, a, yeah. right, and almost mm -hmm. have a conservative approach. Mm -hmm. But then once you gain some comfort and some tr trust from coworkers, colleagues, etc., then you can start to take a more mm -hmm. innovative approach. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. What's your last one? My last one, uh, once again, is, is a, a running one, and that is outside of the Boston Marathon, I would like to run local and focus on right. running local races. That's a great resolution. And it, yes, exactly. A very smart man gave me that idea. <laughs> um, you know, Atlanta truly is kind of running city USA, and Atlanta Track Club provides a lot of great races around the city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I want to, you know, kind of continue to contribute to that growth and you know, contribute in some small way towards. Mm -hmm. Uh, the running community here in Atlanta and it also kind of plays into my other goals where you know I need to I, I want to get back to you know what I enjoy most about running mm -hmm. right and being a bit more process oriented and a bit less you know driven towards you know achieving a PR you know because when you're running local a lot of times you're just you're running in races with people with friends and a lot of times when you're running with friends when you're running with training partners it can kind of help soften the edge so to speak mm -hmm. or, or take the, the, the rough edges off and, and allow you to focus on you know what you enjoy about what we enjoy about the sport. You know wh why we do it and, and what it truly is meaningful in the endurance community, as opposed to my PR, my goals, etc. It'll make you a better coach too. Um, the the so I was thinking this year that for the last couple of years that has been my resolution. Mm -hmm. In 2017 and then again in 2018, I resolved two things: one, to run more local races. And two, to not run any race twice. Mm -hmm. um, and and I have not resolved that in 2019 because I kind of got it. Like I've gotten to a place where that's just sort of what I do now. Um, that resolution has become enough a part of my approach that, that I don't need to resolve it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, that's, and that's pretty cool. Now, the only thing I do have related to that is I, I did say I want to try and run at least one trail race a month. Mm -hmm. um, in the months when I'm not racing a marathon. I ran one yesterday, so I got January checked off. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I've already signed up for one for February and one for March, so, so we're good to go. Uh, I'll find one in April, and then in May I'm doing a marathon, so you know, at least through the first five months I'm, I'm, I'm solid. Um, but but no, I think that's a great goal, um, and, and um, it's one that, that I've drawn a great deal of happiness from over the course of the past couple of years, um, and so much so that I don't have to resolve it anymore. That, that it's just kind of what I do now. And that's the ultimate po point of a resolution, right? Yeah. Yeah. To to take a, a behavior that was once not a, a part of your lifestyle and make it routine. So routine that it's not even a resolution anymore. Right on, right on. 
And that's a great note to end on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, thanks again for joining us, everybody. Again, next week is going to be our third and final portion of the looking back at 2018 and kicking off 2019 when we talk about how to get started in uh, endurance sports and how to get a training plan going. Thanks again for joining us, everybody, and we will see you next week on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. And that'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance and Blue Pineapple Travel. Once again, you can reach out to me, George, at george at itlcoaching.com. You can reach out to Patrick, patrick at itlcoaching.com. You can send us an email at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. You can find ITL Coaching and Performance at itlcoaching.com, at itlcoaching on Twitter, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash performance. Finally, of course, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, bluepineappletravel.com, and on Instagram, instagram.com slash bluepineappletravel. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. On behalf of Patrick Ollander, this is George Darden. We'll see you next time on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. <laughs>